Well, good morning, and it's great to see everyone here this morning. And like like Jeff said, the monsoon. Uh, I think this is the way it's supposed to work to some degree. It's been, it's been a long time since we've seen this routine, so glad to see that. Those who are listening online or listen to this later that don't live in Arizona, this may not make any sense, but uh, we are glad to see it. And uh, I'm just so thankful. Last week I had a chance uh, to eat one of my favorite desserts. I didn't know it was one of my favorites until I was eating it. Okay, but I found out real quick, and I don't know if you have it there. It's, uh, have that slide? Okay, we're working our way there. Uh, there it is. And this is pecan pie mini, okay? V- vanilla bean mousse, whipped cream, and honey glazed pecans. It's in a shot glass. It's $4.00. But one of the things I loved about that, if I'd have had that pie at the house in its full form, I would have probably eaten three to four pieces. Those who know me know that's just kind of how I roll, okay? But because it was in a shot glass and I couldn't have any more and it was $4, it took me like 10 minutes to eat the thing. And every bite was savored. Every bite. And I wanted to eat everybody around the table just to be quiet because I wanted to savor it. The kingdom of God is made up of pecan pie minis. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, in a way. We think we have so much time, so much space. We forget to slow down and savor. Anybody here, is there a witness to that? Matthew 6. 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Today, give us this day our daily bread. Most of you here are old enough to remember the year 2020. (laughs) Way back when. When you'd walk through a grocery store and you'd see the shelves thin in product if not barren of product. (laughs) Remember when we rationed of all things? What? Toilet paper? Remember when we didn't know if 
when this would end, and we obviously still not at the end of that part of it, of, I mean, as far as the sickness, but at least this part of it we don't feel too uncomfortable about now going to the grocery store and looking for something. Most of us have been blessed with far more than today's necessities. Most of us have been blessed with weeks, if not months, of what we might need. When you woke up this morning, my guess is none of you had even the slightest doubt that you'd be able to eat today. Whether your children would be able to eat today, or if you have children, you had to decide which child would have to eat today. Because we're rotating out. Most of the concerns of the the, the average American, especially those in this room or those listening online, I'm not saying everybody, but I'm guessing most, is not whether we will eat today, but what we will eat today. The risk of most of us is not perishing due to the lack of bread or food. Most of us, biggest risk is perishing because of too much of it. Give us this day our daily bread. I was watching BBC America this week. I normally don't watch it, but, and you know, and they kind of do it on a loop, kind of repeat and all that. But one of the things that I did enjoy watching it this week was kind of figuring out what else was going on in the world. Did you know that we have a tendency in the United States to be very ingrown? Does anybody know that? That we almost feel like we're the only ones in the world with things happening. And you watch it and you see the riots in South Africa. And you see the riots in Beirut, in Lebanon. And and you listen about the fact that 20 years worth of progress for the women in Afghanistan may be about to be turned around. That's not a political statement. It's just a reality for those people. And that doesn't get into hunger, basic needs that we all just take for granted. Give us, give us, it doesn't say give me this day, it says give us, communal, give us this day. And I believe as Jesus is leading the disciples here, it's way more than just about the food you're going to eat that day. It is the basic necessities of your life. So that's what I want to talk to you about today. There is a tendency, I believe, and I know, and I, I want to say this morning up front, as I was preparing for this message this week, As I was working on it, I had a chance to be out of town for a little bit, but as I was working on this and working through this, man, I just didn't really want to preach it. And for some of you today, as you listen to this, you may listen to this today and say, I don't know if I'm going to come back to that church. 
And after I preach this today, I may not want to come back either. So here you go. So we're in this together, just so we're kind of walking this out together, okay? But being reminded that I have absolute dependence on God for everything. That for my physical needs, my everyday life, Paul says, whether I eat, drink, or whatever I do, I do it all for God's glory. And as Paul wrote that, it was, it was the basic things. Everything you do today, remember, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever you do, you do it all for the glory of God. In the Western cultures, I was reading this and studying and just reminded in my own personal, in my own life, in my own journey, we have a tendency in the Western culture to separate the spiritual from the physical. We believe in both. No doubt about that. But we often don't see the connection between the two. And I don't know if any of us, for the most part, would say it out loud. But we end up living as if we believe that we look after the physical. We look after, we look after our job. We look after our education. We look after our possessions. We look after our, we look after our own sickness. We look after our own housing. We look after our own food, et cetera, et cetera. But God looks after the spiritual. That somehow or another, those are separated. And one of the greatest dangers, I believe, and we talk, we've talked about it here, body, soul, and spirit, one of the greatest dangers we have, especially as Christians, is compartmentalizing our lives. Even though we know we're physical beings, we're emotional beings, uh, beings we're mental beings, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're physical, we, we understand all that. But in order for us to live in integrity, in order for us to live whole, it all has to come under God's covering. It just has to. Otherwise, it's just a fragmented, disconnected life. Many of us wonder why we're so stuck spiritually or why we're so frustrated spiritually. I think part of it is we live a very disconnected, fragmented, non-connecting The everyday dependence that we have on God. Jesus says that in Matthew 6, the connection between the spiritual and the material, he says, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, your heart is also there. Tell me what you're thinking about. Tell me what you're pursuing. Tell me what you, I'll tell you what your treasure is. We can say all kinds of values and we can spout all kinds of creeds and we can do all those kind of things.
And you've heard me say often, we may not always live out we may not always live out what we speak as our values, but we will always live out our values. Because all I've got to do is follow you around with the camera. All I've got to do is look at your checkbook. All I've got to do is look at your day planner. All I've got to do, if I could get into your mind and see what you're worried about, all I've got to do there is find out where your treasure is. But it doesn't matter what you say or what you posted or what you did. In it. it doesn't matter. And that's Jesus saying that. Where your treasure is, that is where your heart is. When we begin, I believe, to connect the physical, because so many times, I, my, it's funny, my dad said grace at our, at our table growing up, and as we grew older, and I mean, as I brought my own kids there, my kids would laugh about it. A little bit, because my, my dad, and I have to this day, and of course he passed away 10 years ago, so I'll never really know, but my dad would say grace. It would just be this, 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 I don't think he spoke in tongues. I don't think. It's a spiritual. It would just be this mumble. Do you agree? I mean, yeah, those are the kids. It would just be this mumble, and I didn't really know what it was, but he always did it, and it was, you know, and thanking God at the end, and Amen. Didn't really know. You just kind of knew the rhythm of it. And you'd kind of look up every now and then just to make sure where you were. <clears throat> but he said it every time. But I don't know what he said, but I always believed my dad meant it, whatever he was saying. <laughs> because I think when you're Realize your dependence when my, like for my dad, and I don't want to get too off. For when you live out, when you're out on the battlefield in Casino Italy for four days, half your body almost blown off, and you live, and you make it home and live a productive life for the next 70 years, or something about that, it gives you thankfulness, which is what happened to my dad. Will you savor the pecan pie mini? You savor it just a little more. Because I think when you connect the two, we connect what you have to the spiritual. You're more thankful. You're more generous. Less greedy. So many of us, and I'll talk more about it, I appreciate Jeff bringing it up in the prayer in Ephesians 6, to stand, to stand. And I'll talk more about it when we end the series here in a few weeks. But so many times, we look at why our marriage is not working, and we disconnect it from the spiritual. Often we look at why we're bankrupt or why we're going through certain things or why things are in our finances and we separate it from the spiritual. It really makes no sense if you really start thinking about it, but somehow or another we operate in that way where we've separated those things. I mean, we live in a culture today where sexuality is separated from the spiritual. 
Are you kidding me? You can't separate them. Whether it's online pornography or not even necessarily online or wherever it's coming from, to other ways of sexuality being expressed today, you can't separate. You can't separate the reward that God gives you when it's done in his, in his window, but you also can't separate the consequences of the other. To an individual, to a because it's not done in a vacuum, right? Or to a community or to a culture. But we want to separate them. That somehow or another they're not connected. Romans 12 tells us to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God. You've heard me say it over and over. It's one of my favorite verses I quote here that most of you know. It's only a few of them I have memorized, so I use it often just to show off. But no, that's not really, because it just rings. It's to offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing unto God. That is our reasonable act of worship. How many of you get up each day? No matter if you're staying at home at your desk or you're going out somewhere, going, God, today, my job is a living sacrifice to you. What I do today is a sacrifice to the kingdom of God. I'm live, offering myself today as a representative of wherever I go and wherever this, my feet set down or whether I stay here and how I talk to people and the way I react, I offer that to you today. Or I realize this job is dependent. Most of all, yeah, I know I'm going to work hard. And by the way, we're in partnership with God. You need to show up. You need to work. I think work is part of all this thing, okay? Don't get me wrong in there that we're just going to now, God, give us this day our daily bread and wait at home for a check to show up. That's not what I'm saying. We're in partnership with him. But my biggest thing is to offer. To offer myself. This food that I'm eating here, I offer it. Most of all, I'm thankful and I offer it to you. My finances. Another thing that's probably the biggest part that I think I wrestle with this week is that our needs versus our wants are, is a deeply a deep, deep spiritual question that most of us never want to talk about. And I'm including me in that. And here's the challenge we have living in the culture we live in in the U.S. Most of our culture is based on a wants versus need economy. Who needs a $5 coffee? Who needs a $5 or $4 pecan mini, really? I'm not saying we don't. Do, so don't hear what I'm not saying. I'll come back to that in a minute. But we live in a culture where our, if we don't, if we don't act on our wants, there's eventually going to be people that are unemployed. They just are. Well-paying jobs that keeps our economy going. 
So the question doesn't become, are we in, in on the economy? Because it is about us, right? We want to keep the thing moving. And then as many of you know here in the insurance and, and things of that nature, then we could accumulate all these things. Then we've got to have more insurance to protect all the things we just accumulated. Isn't this fun? So we're stuck in this dilemma. How do we live in the type of, this type of economy and be contributors without becoming prisoners to it? You could tweet that. I don't tweet, so I'm not doing it. How do we become contributors without becoming prisoners? Luke 12, 15. Jesus' words again. If Jesus yelled to me, watch out. If he yelled that to me, you know what I'd do? I'd try to figure out what he's saying. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possession. The word life there is zoe. You heard me talk about that if you've been around a long time, that word zoe, there there it is life. It's it's life-giving. It's vigorous. A man's vigorous life is not based on his possessions. It is the physical and the spiritual. Set some of you at ease here. Is God opposed to people of means? Well, this is what I know and I believe about God's love. It is indiscriminate. But there's no question that the New Testament consistently and vigorously warns against the dangers of wealth and the dependence on it. You just can't get around it. Proverbs talks about if a man's able to obtain great wealth, there's a danger he might become something. Full, he might become full and deny God and say, who is this Lord? Matthew 19, Jesus said, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to fly first class. I'd never really done that ever before, flew overseas, and I'm so appreciative of it, and it really didn't cost any more, actually, than, than a coach, and there's a lot of explanation behind that, or maybe a small explanation, but I was able to do that. 
but I was able to fly from, from, from Dallas to London and sleep in those long, drawn-out chairs and have the movies and, and the warm peanuts or what are, nuts and all those kind of things brought to me. It was, it was awesome. And what I realized about two hours into it, I'm looking up, and somebody from coach had come up and used the bathroom in first class, and the first thing that went through my line was, what are you doing up here? This is reserved for us. It doesn't take long, does it? Doesn't take long. You know, one of the worst parts is we often get what we were chasing. We often get what we were actually were pursuing. And then once we get it, we're going, What in the world am I going to do with this? That restlessness that you have at 2 a.m. that wakes you up gnawing in your gut? Anybody ever been there? Oh, I got it. I chased it. I found it. I got it. Oh. Now what? Jesus knew that greed and duplicity would have a way of choking and severing the cords of love for him and for others. It's the reason why he says in the parable of the sower. And I've quoted this way more often recently than I wish I, because it brings me to my own life. The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of wealth come along and choke it out. When was the last time you asked the Lord specifically around this topic? And this is not about you giving more to renovation or giving it all to renovation. But the last time, and you do what you need to do, and you need to be obedient the way you need to be obedient. But let me say this. When was the last time you just put it in front of me and said, Lord, what do you want to do with my money? Just what do you want to do with my money? Can we become so obsessed with pursuing things, and it could even be good investments. I'm not saying that. That it begins to distract us from our personal time with God, and most of all just distracts us from the fact, and maybe the outcome of that is, it distracts us from even connecting his insight or his say-so over those things. Should we prepare for the longevity of our lives? Yes. Sure you should. But could we obsess so much with retirement and all the other things that go with it that we miss the whole point of being here in the first place? Yes. I want to say this, and make sure you hear me on this part. If, 
if riches are spiritually dangerous, it might make sense that poverty would be spiritually advantageous. Folks, it's a hard issue. Being in poverty doesn't mean you trust God more or live in simplicity. Being in poverty doesn't mean you can't be, have a critical spirit or, 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 or hate people or be un, or, or unforgiving. And, 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 and no, no, no in, in itself, poverty doesn't bring that either. Without a change of heart, without a greater vision, our wants will almost always exceed both our needs and, for many of us, our funds. Without a greater vision, what's your vision? What's your vision for all the stuff you have? Is it comfort? That's the one I'm struggling with. Those who have known me, I'm just confessing here, those who have known me over the years, I've never been a person necessarily looking for comfort. Now, there are times I'll do things that you'll go, well, that was pretty knucklehead how you spent your money, and I'd say amen twice. I'm probably almost always going to have nice stuff, but I know how to do nice stuff cheap. Er. <laughs> it's hard to imagine that we would ever get to the point that the vision for our lives as Christians would be comfort. When the central metaphor that we have to remind us is a instrument of death. It's just hard to imagine, isn't it? That the security we're looking for in life, that God is only there for my security, he's only there for my I think it's Irvin McManus that says, living inside of God's will is dangerous. Living outside of God's will is dangerous. But living inside God's will makes you dangerous. So if it's dangerous both places, I would prefer to be dangerous myself. For the kingdom. The questions. Is it possible to come to a point where you don't desire more house even if you can afford it? Now some of you are just going to go, okay, I'm shutting him off here. So just work with me. Can you live content with what you have with no further desire to accumulate more? And these are just questions. This is not a, an, you know, commentary. Can you live without going into debt except for maybe a house? 
Can you live in a way where you're not trying to build up your kingdom, but the kingdom of God? Can you live in a way that you don't buy for its status, but, but for its usefulness? That's a struggle I have with my tennis shoes. I have too many pairs of Adidas tennis shoes. Because I've told my kids over and over, I brought Adidas back. They're back because I started wearing them. So it's a lot of pressure on me to keep this status. That you know that day by day, you're dependent on him. I don't think wealth or poverty are spiritually advantageous. But I do believe that simplicity, dependence, and thankfulness are. This is not about renouncing possessions. So, again, I'm going to say it over and over. If you already shut me off, I don't want to say it real loud and yell, but I just want you to hear it. This is not about renouncing possessions, but it is partly about putting possessions in their proper perspective. The question is not whether acquiring money is wrong. The question is, are we doing it to build our kingdom and trusting in him alone or God's kingdom in Christ alone? That's the question. Last week we talked about, I love what Soren, let me, let me say this, Soren Kierkegaard says this about the kingdom. said, should a person get a suitable job in order to exert a virtuous influence? His answer, no. We must seek first the kingdom of God, God's kingdom. Then should we give all of our money to feed the poor? His answer, no. We must first, first seek God's kingdom. Last week, we mentioned about the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God is always about things that matter. Meaningful work. It counts for something important. The kingdom of God is not simply God's own activity, but his activity worked out through his people. The daily, even moment by moment, opportunities for us to bring our kingdom, which is everything we have say so over, into his kingdom. And to do that on a daily basis moment-by-moment basis. Your will be done. This is a prayer of submission. It's interesting that the cadence of this prayer is that we say words of submission before we say, give us this day our daily bread. I listened to a podcast this week. Ed Stetzer was on Kerry Newhoff. And I may have, it's a little wrong, but I think I'm, he was talking about social media, but it's not even really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more here, possessions and influence and things of that nature if we're not careful here in the U.S. He said, he's talking about the Roman Empire. He was talking about the fact that 2,000 years ago, you know, they had, or longer, they had sewage and they had water pipes, water running to homes. It's just unheard of to see all those things. He said, but you know what ended up killing them? It was the very thing that was giving them life. The water was coming through pipes. You know what those pipes had in it? It was lead. 
You know what that lady was doing? Was killing them at the same time as giving them life, they thought. When we put possessions and all the things that God has put in our life in under him, it can give us life and keep us alive. But sometimes the very blessings, if we're not careful, very well may be the things that's killing us. I mean, when was the last time you prayed? Give us this day my daily grace. You go, I got plenty of grace. Well, his grace is sufficient. That's true. But Lord, I need enough grace. I don't want to live off grace from two weeks ago or two months ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago at camp. I want today's grace. Because today, and the awesome thing about God's grace, I can give it away and he'll just replenish it. Give it away and he replenishes it. Give me this day my daily strength. Because today, Lord, I have a feeling I've got some battles in front of me. And Lord, I don't need strength from two weeks ago because it's waned. And I don't strength for tomorrow because tomorrow holds its own deals. I need strength today. Lord, give me today my thankfulness and gratitude. Because I know I thanked you a month ago, and I know I thanked you here. But, Lord, today I want to be focused on thanking you and grateful for what you have done. The kingdom of God is like a pecan pie mini. There's only so much of it. And when you're focused, it's good. And you'll savor. Because there's so many people around us. Just like we are here in the U.S. And we hear all that. And really when we watch our news. And we see we're so ingrown. It's just a reflection of the rest of us. It really is. I'm not saying every one of you. But most of us. What if I had enough extra to help people who just need a hand up? Not a hand out, but a hand up. What if I did? What if I was satisfied with what I already have and I begin to get a new vision for what extra I've got? Thought it was funny. Knowing I was about to show that slide. We are hungry. We are hungry. We are hungry for more of you. Kingdom of God is like a pecan pie mini. We are hungry. We will savor. We will slow down. You really wonder sometimes, you're saying you guys can come on up as we close with that funny little song you have there. We are hungry. I think we might be amazed at what's passing us by each day.
that if we slowed down long enough, and all those things that are waking us up at two in the morning, and we're not just waking us up at two in the morning, and and going, Lord, I, I, I give this to you. Yes, we, 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 are, we are spiritual, yes, and we are rational. We're both, and we, 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 we do believe that. So don't hear today that I say if you've got a sickness that you're not seeing a doctor, you shouldn't go see a doctor. That's not what I'm saying. But ultimately, it's all dependent on him. It all is. We know there's people around us sick right now for all kinds of things, COVID being one of them, but a plethora of things. We know there's marriages in trouble. And somehow or another, they've disconnected the spiritual from their circumstance. I don't know, as we close this morning, I wasn't planning on opening the altars up said most of you if you're new to the church of the nazarene we still have altars here they're they're pieces of wood painted but man they're special places when when you come in a public way especially and just kneel and consecrate or drop and lay it down it's just special i don't have any other ways to explain that but maybe there is that gnawing at two in the morning that you just need to lay down you know lord we're in partnership with this but man you've got to say so Maybe it's the pursuit of something. For status or for whatever it might be. But is it useful to the vision of what God has put on your life? And separate out all the other things. Because the kingdom of God is about things that matter. Let me say this to you. You matter. Jesus invites us in to work it out through us. Won't you stand? Let me pray for us. Lord, we come before you today knowing that this message, I know for me personally, that I've had to do a lot of soul searching this week as I prepared for this and left some things out that I was going to say and added some things that I wasn't. So Lord, I just hope and pray that it was beneficial to your people. (sighs) As silly as it's been said today, Lord, about the pecan pie many, Lord, help us savor this precious life, Zoe, that you've given us. That it's not about the things we've accumulated. But it's about our walking in step with you and impacting other people's lives. So, Lord, we come today. Give us this day our understanding of our daily dependence on you. Lord, I pray now if there's any folks who want to come and pray as we close this morning, that we hope to their soul pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. But if we sing, if you want to come, that's great. But just so thankful.